1: Hello and welcome to Affirmative Murder, the Equal Opportunity Murder Podcast. I am Alvin Williams. And joining me this week, because of uh, some technical difficulties, is artist, interior designer, my fiance, Sierra Marie Fath.
2: Hey, guys.
1: Yes. So what (laughs) happened is, Fran literally just left an hour ago. I go to edit the episode and all the audio's gone. At least just mine. (laughs) So out of anger, I deleted it all. Because I'm not just going to, like, release Fran's perfectly heard audio with me whispering in the background uneligibly, if that's a word. Mm-hmm. Ineligibly. I don't know what word I'm trying to... Yeah. Inaudibly. Yeah. Inaudibly is is that's the better it. word. Me inaudibly. So I said, I'm just burning the whole house down.
2: Well, so, I wasn't going to let that happen because it's my house, too. So. No,
1: I meant the, the metaphorical house yeah. of the episode. I yeah. didn't mean literally the house.
2: I mean... I wouldn't put it past you. Okay. So I'm here, guys.
1: Yes, I would have done it solo, which would have been less entertaining. But I figured Sierra was Sierra, Sierra actually suggested stepping up. She stepped up like a trooper and said, let's do it. Let's do so, it. So, you know, hey, let's try something, experiment. And maybe in times of Fran, you know, postal emergencies. He has a baby coming soon. He does. Uh, you never know what kind of emergencies Fran could come across. You might be a decent sub.
2: I'm like the on-call go-to, second place. Uh, Those are a
1: lot of words you're saying that I don't...
2: Backup plan. We'll put that on, the, we'll, we'll laminate it. that, and
1: we'll I'm, put that on, we'll put that on a, a, uh, uh, an ID badge and, <laughs> and put it around your neck. You're the second on-call...
2: Right. Backup. Backup. Up, plan B. Plan
1: B podcast but substitute just, sometimes.
2: But just so glad to be here, though. Yeah, glad to cause have I'm you. I'm so wanted.
1: Would you... <laughs> um so this thing's are gonna be the format's gonna be a little different this week what we're gonna do is we're gonna do good we're gonna do good vibes i'm gonna tell sierra's story because i have a story because we just recorded an episode i don't and yeah and sierra's just gonna listen and, and react and yeah. all that kind of thing and then at the end I'll, I'll ask sierra if she has any suggestions that she would like to give out to you people and i'll have some suggestions for you guys as well and then we'll get out of here it's a little bit different i know you're not getting your fran star fixed, but things happen and i still am putting out content so I should get double the points and you guys should send me Reese's cups and none for Fran.
2: I'll take some too. I mean I I'm no Fran, but I'm here, right?
1: Yes, you are here. Yeah. And he isn't. He is Because isn't. it's his fault, not mine.
2: He probably deleted it on. He might
1: practice. have. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna speculate on those things, but what I will say is we're recording right now, and he isn't.
2: Well, let me tell you and, this: and
1: there's no proof that there was an episode or any of the things that I said. So maybe I'm just maybe I'm just defending Fran, and he never showed up, and I'm trying to make him sound good, but really he never came here, and there never was an episode, and we're just recording, and that's what we're gonna go with now.
2: Right. Yeah. But but the other side of the coin is he was here, and then you guys were done, and then he was like, he left. And then I hear a knock on the door. He said, "Oh, I forgot my laptop upstairs." In
1: your opinion, your opinion is irrelevant. You are a guest. <laughs> Do not overstep. <laughs> yes, this is true. Yes, Fran was here. We actually we talked about um, the Area Fifty One storming. It was actually a really good episode. I'm real. You guys really missed out on some quality content. Uh, you know, there was a there was a rant about aliens. Uh, some speculation about Michael Jordan, how his, his dad died. A lot of conspiracy talk. It was a really great episode, and you guys will never hear it. Well, It doesn't exist anymore. I'm just
2: saying, when Fran came up here to get his laptop in quotes, he, he might have just pressed delete
1: he did do your that. your
2: portion he did do that. so that he can be Fran's star. Mm. Wow. You know? I'm just saying. Mm, conspiracy he revealed. He might have. Possible.
1: So, mm.
2: You know, I'm on to you, Fran.
1: The world may never I'm know. I'm on
2: to you. It's because I didn't make him dinner this week. That's probably it.
1: Yeah, you, you didn't make him a plate. What we're going to do is we're going to move out of that. We're going to stop accusing Fran of nefarious things. And we're going to jump into these good vibes to try to pick up the spirits. Because I am still seething with anger that the episode got deleted. So I need good vibes more than ever. This might be the most crucial good vibes segment that's ever taken place on this podcast. So let's get to it.
2: No pressure.
1: No so, pressure at all. Yeah. But all the pressure.
0: Good vibes. Good. Good, good vibrations.
1: Yes, that's right, folks. Welcome to another Good Vibes segment, the most important Good Vibes segment to ever take place on this podcast. Sierra, would you like to um, give some good vibes to me as well as others, or would you like me to tell you my Good Vibes story first?
2: Uh, Yeah, I'll go. I'm... um the pressure's on. No pressure.
1: No th- pressure. But th- if you <laughs> mess up, then I will be incredibly <laughs> angry and everybody listening right now will hate you.
2: Well, my is from a, a couple weeks ago, but I thought that that story about the kid that made the University of Tennessee T-shirt was so mm.
1: cute. I heard tell of this. I didn't do my in-depth research on it, so please, I'm tell me what happened.
2: Well, it was he's an elementary school kid, and it looks like it was some kind of um, Spirit Week. So mm-hmm. they were doing College Colors Day, and he got creative and made his own shirt. Yeah. By basically drawing U T on a piece of paper and uh-huh. attaching it to a shirt in some way and went to school and was all proud of it and then some mean girls were making fun of him. Oh
1: no. How old is he?
2: Um oh, what grade? I don't, like I don't elementary know. elementary school? He's in elementary school. That's kinda
1: early for be getting made fun of.
2: Uh, no. girls are mean. Yeah. I mean Hey, I remember. You said, it, you said it. Not me. I remember. Well, I just have more experience with that because I'm a girl. Yes. I don't allegedly. How, I don't know how boys. <laughs> um, you proposed to me, so that's. Hmm. You should know. But anyway, so the the there were some girls at the lunch table next to him that were making fun of him. Yeah. Anyway, it got it went viral on facebook of that this kid was bullied and made fun of for this and mm-hmm. university of tennessee found out and i guess were moved by it and decided to print that image that he drew Onto on their the shirts. own t-shirts and they have been selling out. I'm sure. Completely selling out. And the best part of it is a lot of the proceeds are being donated to a stomp out bullying campaign. Okay. So. That's good. Um, not only is this kid now the man, which yeah. is awesome. He is the man now.
1: He walks into school with his sunglasses on. He's like, fuck you, yeah. bitches. Yeah. Or something. Whatever. What duty heads yeah or whatever he and then Mm -hmm. they're like oh can we sit at the lunch table with you yeah bryson whatever his name is and they're like
2: and he's like no i'm good Hmm."
1: excuse me while i go talk to the head of the university of texas
2: (laughs) right (laughs) and he
1: comes and picks me up in a helicopter Dirt
0: bags, yeah
2: no big deal but now now he's the villain now well no i mean he's the man he's so cool and 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 It's great for him because I bet they're not bullying him about it anymore, but it's going towards a good cause now. Very much. Yeah, for sure. Good for the kid and good for University of Tennessee. And
1: good for the stopping of bullying. Yes. Although I'm not, I'm not, I don't know if I'm 100% opposed to outright the end of bullying because hard times, you know, make strong people they do and if you make everything just everybody you get participation trophy even if you lose the game and mm-hmm. no adversity adversity is what makes smart people and 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 hard-working people it gives them that extra motivation hate is the best motivator and bullying is awful mm-hmm. but i'd rather live in a world where people have to overcome a little adversity then everybody's just like oh uh, everybody's friends and, and nobody you know there's no uh, competition or people everybody just you just you, all you gotta do is show up yeah. you know so yes I think bullying is terrible but I don't know if there's a uh I don't know how I don't know how you stop that. Like like the fact that there's a cause that you can donate to,
2: mm-hmm.
1: it's like what do they do spread awareness? I guess maybe. is what they do. Like I spreading so. awareness of bullying?
2: Or like get maybe like, I don't know how kids. you stop
1: kids from being mean. It's kind of human nature.
2: It is human nature, but maybe the maybe what it is is they go into schools pretty young and they have people explaining like what what would be considered bullying yeah. and what's considered friendly teasing the consequences of it and, yeah and yeah. and or knowing what to look out for if you're going to stand up for somebody yeah or whatever yeah i mean okay. i hate you know i hate bullying yes yes you do hate, I when hate everybody's it. mean
1: to one person and i
2: don't like i don't like it in movies or shows or anything yes. let alone seeing it in person but yes, that is but true. i mean i do agree like you know sometimes um you know a little bit of that can make you stronger um like i think you know i'm sure everyone can relate to being bullied i think i was bullied at least a few times that i can remember but in general yeah i, I well for
1: me it was like you know i was a chubby kid i wasn't an unpopular kid but you know somebody makes a fat joke about you you come back on them and it it sharpens your sword it makes you quick-witted it, mm-hmm. it 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 makes you and then eventually your sword gets so sharp so sharp that nobody even wants to try you anymore and that's the point i got to where people were just like well we know he he'll come back yeah. with something that's really going to hurt even more than you saying something about his belly
2: but not yeah. everyone has that that's and true. also that's a lot true. of kids are you know, yours yours were probably spread out. A lot of kids
1: It's all day every, It's all day yeah, yeah. every
2: day by all kinds of people. Yeah. And then they just it's it, like the it's world like, against you. It's like chipping away at them. Yeah, for sure. And, I understand. And so that. they don't That is
1: an extreme situation. Yeah. I guess but, that, what but
2: that's what I think they're talking about. Yeah,
1: what about. yeah, what I'm describing is more like your friends giving you a hard time. Yeah,
2: which I think people people can deal with. Yeah. But when you're getting Especially if you're someone who doesn't feel like you have a support system around you, whether yeah. that's at school and not feeling like you have many friends or if it's at home and yeah. you're not close with your parents or whatever. It's like you're alone
1: and everybody's yeah. being mean to you. And
2: that's why, you know, a lot of people isolate themselves and and grow up and keep to themselves. And people might, you know, say like, oh, that who's that weird kid, blah, yeah. blah, blah, mm-hmm. and bully them even more. But it's like that kid may be, Closed off because of what happened to him when he was in elementary school. Yes, it's a it's it's a vicious cycle. Yes, and it needs to end. And whatever stomp, you know, bullying or whatever is, I'm for it. And I think it's cool that that they that University of Tennessee turned this this bullying act into something really cool,
1: positive moment, spread awareness. Yes, my good vibe story is actually along the same lines of bullying. So there was a video that. came out either this week or the week before. It's really made its rounds. It's become a very viral video. It is of these two uh, high school black uh, football players. You need to put your phone on vibrate now, okay? (laughs) You're a guest here, but don't get it twisted. I will throw you out of here.
2: It's my house.
1: Anyway, back to good vibes. So there's these two uh, young black uh, football players in high school. Who there was this kid who was being made fun of because his clothes? It was, clo- it was the, like the first week of school, you know, and that's, you know, when all that first week of school is like everybody has all their new clothes and oh, everything yeah. like that, but not everybody does. Mm-hmm. So there was these three kids: Christopher, Antoine, and Michael. And Michael was the one that the whole class was making fun of. Mm. And Christopher and Mike, Christopher and Antoine also kind of joined in on it too. They were laughing along with it. But Christopher went home and he felt really bad about it when he thought about it. And he decided he wanted to apologize. But he didn't just want to apologize, he wanted to make a gesture. Mm. And so he got Antoine together and they got a, you know some of their extra clothes and shoes and came to Michael the next day, apologized to him, and this is what subsequently went viral. They were Not they were, but somebody in school was filming it. And me and Fran have had conversations on here before is that where I don't like that aspect of a good deed. Where right, you're filming it, and it's it almost feels like you're doing it for the attention and the clout yeah. and the, the positive it's not affirmation. It's genuine. Exactly. If no
2: one's looking, would you still do it?
1: Exactly. Yeah. But in this situation, they were doing it. Somebody else was filming it. It wasn't like the kid, yeah. Christopher, was holding his phone yeah, in selfie like, mode. Hey, and, hey, guys, look, I'm giving this poor kid shoes, y'all. I'm aren't nice. I, aren't
2: I cool? Yeah, it wasn't yeah. like
1: that. They did it out of the kindness of their heart. Somebody filmed it. Anyway, this happened. They got a phone call from Ellen. Ellen Koff.
2: Obsessed with her. Amazing.
1: She's an oh, angel. She's heavenly. She's great. She's a positive spirit. I just want to meet her one day. Oh, my God. In dance. some way. Just dance. Just dance all night. She's just, such a positive beacon of light. She's a wonderful person.
2: Just be around her.
1: Yeah. So she, they get the call from, um, from Ellen. Christopher, Michael, and Antoine all get to make their debut on the couch. The couch. Cross from Ellen. Ellen's, you know, you guys are great. Da, da, uh, da, da. You guys sp- spread this positive message about anti-bullying and being nice to people and helping your fellow, help, helping your fellow person, yeah. you know, and, and all those kinds of things. I have a surprise for you. Hey, Will Smith, come on out. Boom. Will Smith uh, comes out. Crowd goes crazy. Ah, oh, my God. Bad Boys 3 genie yeah it's the genie from aladdin Aladdin. Ah, that's the crowd the crowd's going crazy the kids are going crazy oh my god it's will smith oh what oh my yeah that's nuts i saw you in seven pounds oh that's crazy Um, Tough
0: watch.
1: yeah so they're all going crazy will smith's like ah yo ah i'm will smith y'all are great hey listen what y'all did about bullying and being friends with people that's amazing i love that And summertime, summer, summer, summertime. He's rapping. He's he's rapping his summertime song. He's giving out presents. He's telling them that they're great, giving them positive affirmations, and the kids are loving it. He gives them their own little care package of clothes. Mm -hmm. You really need to, you really need to put it on vibrate, please. Okay,
2: okay. I'm sorry. It's on silent. Okay.
1: Okay, so he's he's, uh, telling them how great they are. He's giving them, he gave them some clothes of their own. He's like, these are my exclusive clothes. They're coming out soon. Um, enjoy these. And also, um, what you guys are doing for the world. He said something really positive. What you guys are doing for the world and for adults to see this is da 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 It's incredible. You guys are amazing. Ellen. Cuts back to Ellen. Yes, you guys are incredible. And my friends at Shutterfly. And whenever Ellen says, my friends at wherever, the checks are about to come out, stacks of money are about to come out, whatever. She gave each of these kids 10 thousand dollars whoa and i mean these kids are like 15 16 years old at the at the oldest so that's college money a car car money whatever whatever they want to do that is a huge sum of money to give to somebody who was a teenager Mm -hmm. And i just thought that was so special and it was such a it was such a metaphor for what you put out into the universe comes back to you tenfold yeah now you're not always going to end up on the ellen degeneres couch but any kind of positive energy that you put into the world. Or negative energy, on that same token. If you put negative energy out, it will come back to you. Mm-hmm. I'm a firm believer in karma mm-hmm. and the universe, and it works itself out in the end. And when you're a nice person and you go through life and you're kind and, and you know, you know, I'm not, I'm not like super religious, but I'm a big believer in, you know, just be kind to people. Be yeah. be kind to people and, and hope that they're kind to you, and the rest will work itself out. And for these guys, they came up with this idea to give this kid, Michael, some clothes after they had participated in this kind of, you know, lo- Tuesday, mocking yeah, him yeah. and laughing yeah. at him. They felt bad about it. They reflected on it, and they came back and did a positive deed. And that quickly, it turned around, and, and, and they ended up on Ellen DeGeneres. And that's an amazing thing. So that was my good vibe story. That's um, awesome. I just thought that, one, the video itself is super cool and positive. But mm-hmm. then for to see how, when you put that kind of positive energy into the world, how it comes back on you, those blessings come back on you, It, yeah. it, it, it it's such a testament to that. It so is. I thought that was special. Very um, cool
2: good theme good theme yeah good got. theme
1: anti-bullying yeah. help people be positive mm-hmm. that's all great yes yes this is moving along it's almost great you're a great you're doing a great job so far of substituting for friends
2: well thank you yes um, I felt bullied by you earlier so well uh,
1: we'll with, move with, on from,
2: with that bullying theme I mean I'll well, just I don't, bring I don't, that
1: not we, we don't need that kind of negativity mm-hmm. here. what we're about to do is we're going to take a quick break um, I don't Know a song to leave out to you were listening to a lot of hosier earlier. <gasps> what is yes. your favorite, not a dark one? Oh, what is your favorite, on. like happy hosier song? Oh,
2: sing that's so cute! Sing, sing that one, yeah,
1: okay, okay, cool, yeah, 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 no, yeah it's yeah. like
2: a good cookout song.
1: Oh, is it a good cookout, like,
2: like yeah, like, like white,
1: cookout. okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hosier's not coming on in any any cookouts that i've taken you to with my family uh yeah good we're gonna
2: hipster good hipster cookout
1: so yeah yeah where they're <laughs> s- serving like uh um unbelievable unbelievable burgers and things like that and yeah. vegan salad yeah. yes um this is we're gonna take a quick break this is hosier Sing, yeah. and when we come back i'm gonna tell sierra some fucked up shit so stick
2: around Woo. Was it that or just the act of making noise that brought you joy? You don't have to sing it right, who could call you wrong? You put your emptiness to melody, your awful heart to song. You don't have to sing it nice, but honey, sing it strong. At best, you'll find a little remedy. At worst, the world will sing along. So honey, sing, sing.
1: Alright, and we are back. Uh, Sierra. Yes. You've never been a part of this before. No. Luckily for you, this isn't a gruesome story. I'm
2: glad it's more, that. It's more,
1: it's more fascinating, and it is sad, but it's more fascinating than anything else. Okay. It's, just a, it's just a very um, interesting uh, story about the country of Colombia and Ooh. the sport of soccer around the world.
2: Love soccer.
1: Yes. Yeah. Um, remember
2: we played soccer yes
1: i did we don't need to get into that right now <laughs> <laughs> um so <laughs> this is the story of andres escobar who was a soccer player for the colombian national team mm. and he was killed in his country of colombia oh. um i got my my source was um uh, an article written by barry Glenden by barry Glendening from the guardian mm-hmm. and uh here we go <clears throat> So um, El Caballero del Football or the Gentleman of Football was a quite disciplined and loved leader of a golden generation of Colombian footballers who traveled to USA 94, which was the World Cup that was held in in the United States in 1994, Mm -hmm. having conceded only two goals in qualifying. Hmm. They were taking football by storm and were genuine contenders in a final qualifier against Argentina. Which their hosts needed to win to ensure qualification. Colombia won five to nothing in Buenos Aires, Argentina. So they beat this team in their stadium five to nothing. Nice. And they earned a standing ovation from the shocked home fans, oh. whose team was eventually forced to creep through the back door, courtesy of a playoff win over Australia. Wow. Yeah. So they beat this team, but it was so impressive that
2: they weren't even mad.
1: Yeah, they were like impressed. In 26 matches leading up to USA 94, Colombia lost just once. Mm -hmm. Their coach, Francisco Maturana, insisted his players express themselves and their natural flamboyance yielded rich on the field. I'm sorry. It yielded rich on-field dividends courtesy of splendidly gifted individuals such as Carlos Valderrama, Mm -hmm. Freddie Rincon, Alexis Garcia and Faustino Apriya, who I don't know who any of those people are because to make it clear to you know we have we have listeners all over the world. Shout mm-hmm. out to us, little salute to us. What what? Um uh soccer's pretty low on the totem pole here. Mm-hmm. I would say that maybe um baseball I mean baseball's more nationally important mm-hmm. um
2: football's the definitely
1: football's the, the no, like american football helmets yeah. and all that kind of stuff soccer people aren't jumping out of bed for soccer
2: it's my fave though
1: yeah but it's just america it's not america's fave
2: right so
1: so i don't know who alexis garcia and or carlos valderrama was yeah but
2: soccer fans i'm
1: sure oh no. that's my point it's mm-hmm. all everywhere else but america soccer's the biggest it's the biggest thing in the world mm-hmm. everywhere else in the world but here that's right. my that's my point um so uh so yeah, so these 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 names started to make a they started to make a name for themselves, even though they were relatively uh, uh, unknown outside of South America. Um, this was the mid '90s when the notion of blanket football coverage, courtesy of niche blogs, satellite television channels, and internet streaming, was as hopelessly exotic as the names of the Columbia of Columbia's many wonderful, wonderfully talented players. So this is basically they're just saying it was the '90s sports didn't have a global impact like it did. You couldn't learn, you couldn't check on sports updates 24-7. You had to get them wherever you could. It wasn't so tangible where mm-hmm. you could find out what that soccer player's favorite food was and what what the game score is minute by minute. It just wasn't that accessible. Um, socially, it was also a time of terrible devastation and misery for Colombia. The Medellin was in a state of emergency following the murder of Pablo Escobar. Mm-hmm a namesake but no relation to Andres, and the head of the, billion, of the multi-billion dollar Medellin car, drug cartel. Mm. Despite his, his status as a bloodthirsty gang lord, Pablo Escobar was beloved by many of his country's poor citizens, for whom he provided employment and housing. Yeah. He also built football pitches, lots of them, on which many of the stars who qualified so effortlessly for USA 94 honed their skills as young boys. So he kind of was like, you know, the Robin Hood of Colombia, Right. And these young boys, he built all these soccer goals for people to play on and, and get good at soccer on. Yeah. And some of those kids grew up and ended up playing, representing their country in the right. Olympics, thanks to Pablo Escobar. Right, right. No matter what his name is, you know, in- worldwide is this, you know, bloodthirsty, you know, drug cartel killer, whatever. He was a hometown hero to a lot of people.
2: Sure. I get that.
1: Yeah. Escobar also owned the Medellin football team Atletico Nacional. Where the sale for where the sale of tickets and cash for created and uh cash received and uh and also with uh creative bookkeeping when it came to player transfers enabled him to launder hundreds of millions of dollars. So he owned a soccer team and he used it to clean his dirty drug money. uh you know, through uh-huh. through ticket sales and yep. trading players and paying salaries to players, it cleaned his money up. Yeah, other cartels followed his lead, and in the 1980s, their investments in various clubs led to a resurgence in Colombian football. So basically, the the drug industry in Colombia breathed life back into Colombian soccer mm-hmm. by you know all these drug cartels buying these teams to launder their money, but they also loved the teams. You know? Yeah, it's so like you. You own a team and you're using it to, to do illegal stuff, but you still want your team to win. Yeah. So it just created this, it breathed life back into soccer in Colombia, uh, which had previously been in decline. The wages paid to the players encouraged Colombia's finest players to remain at home, as opposed to like going to Italy or something to play in another, I don't know what they call them, but you know, they have other like you know leagues and stuff La Liga and instead of doing that they'd stay right home in Colombia mm-hmm. which kept all the best talent at home in Colombia right because they were paying so well um and this enabled Nacional to become South America to become South American club champions by winning the 1989 Copa Libertadores
2: mm.
1: I'm doing my Sounds best Sounds
2: fancy you know, I think you're doing great I'm doing my your... best with
1: these Spanish names. I I
2: Yeah, I'm impressed.
1: Thank you for the encouragement. Yeah, Their team featured Andres Escobar in its lineup, among other home-based internationals who would go on to qualify for USA 94 with such distinction. Responsible for the murder of assorted judges, politicians, over 500 policemen, at least one referee, and thousands of rival cartel members who displeased him, Pablo Escobar had surrendered himself to Colombian authorities in the early 1990s, having first avoided attempts to extradite him to the USA, hold up in a, in cathedral prison on the outskirts of Medellin, which became his own personal fortress. He had been promised a reduced sentence if he agreed to cease drug, if he agreed to cease drug trafficking. Mm -hmm. So he, he was basically negotiating his freedom with the Colombian government While in prison but he kind of controlled the prison so it was he was in prison but not really right and so but under the term but he hadn't been sentenced yet okay so he hadn't been actually taken in he was in this prison but like I said he had control there so he's negotiating like how much time he's gonna get if he stops selling drugs and all this kind of stuff but he is still in control in some in some aspect even though everything's this is like his cartel starting to fall apart, but he's mm-hmm. still holding on to control.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, there he was visited by members of the Colombian football team mm. who would travel there in secret for kickabouts on the pitch Escobar had, had ordered to be built as a condition of his surrender. So he has so much power that he told the, the Colombian, you know, government or whatever, I'll surrender, but I need you guys to come in here where I'm at and build a, um, some soccer goals and then I'll, you know, we'll talk about some other stuff, and then I'll, maybe I'll surrender.
2: Like, for in the prison? For
1: in the prison. And then, secretly, the people who played, like, people like Andres Escobar, they, mm-hmm. that, that played for a soccer team, they would come in secretly, because he's Pablo Escobar, and if he says, come see me, then you go see Pablo Escobar, because mm-hmm. he, like, he owns the streets, he's, Boss. he owns the underground, even while, you know, dealing with all this stuff that's happening with his cartel so they would secretly come and visit him and kick the ball around and he'd you know give him pep talks or whatever he was doing i don't know hey guys you know kick the ball harder and they'd be like okay pablo escobar whatever you say you're really smart at this you're so good at knowing what soccer is please don't kill my family <laughs> uh, so um on one occasion in late 1993 the famously flamboyant colombian goalkeeper renee jaguido foolishly stopped to chat with journalists on his way into the prison to visit escobar It caused a scandal and was a visit that would cost him his place at the following summer's World Cup.
2: Dang. uh...
1: Yeah. Higuita was subsequently arrested and imprisoned on what were rumored to be trumped up charges of mediating in the ransom negotiation of a kidnapping most believe the real reason for his incarceration was government embarrassment that such a famous figure had been fraternizing so publicly with one of Colombian officials most despised and America's most wanted yeah so basically because he stopped on his way to secretly visit he stops and talks to the press and they get a photo of him going to visit Pablo Escobar mm-hmm. they ruin this man's reputation because He's you're Currier. not supposed to be yeah you're okay. not supposed to be hanging out with Pablo Escobar kicking the ball around
0: right
1: well what are you doing? You know, that you're, they were doing it secretly for a reason. Yeah. I'll stop and talk to the press.
0: Yeah.
1: Anyway, uh, according to the two Escobars, the ESPN documentary that chronicles the intertwined lives of Pablo and Andres, Higuida could see the good and bad in Pablo. Andres Escobar was less ambivalent and, all, and was always uncomfortable at being invited to socialize with such a high profile criminal regardless of how stealthy it was so andres from the beginning was like i don't want to do this but he's the boss he signs the checks he's also pablo escobar this guy's crazy i don't but even though it was secretive he didn't like his name being associated with it but he still he still had to go
2: probably nervous for
1: sure so um andres would tell his sister maria i don't want to go but i have no choice He would not have to concern himself with the visiting orders, metaphorical or otherwise, for much longer, however. Having escaped from prison and gone on the run after hearing the authorities were planning to move him to a stricter regime, on December 2nd, 1993, one day after his 44th birthday, Pablo Escobar was murdered. Mm. The group responsible was a collective of vigilantes known as the Pepes. Pepes. Or the people, per- the people persecuted by Pablo Escobar, oh. and was evidently compromised of rival cartel members, right wing paramilitary backed by police, mm-hmm. the special forces of both Colombia and the United States, oh. and countless members of Escobar's own Medellin cartel. Mm-hmm. So his own people flipped on him. Oh. Yeah. You don't like bullying, yeah. I,
2: yeah. <laughs> I mean, in, in I know we're talking about yeah, yes. <laughs> yes. a, a massive, yeah, yes. <laughs> oh. But
1: nobody should get ganged up and their friends like shouldn't turn that. their backs on them. It's like you they don't it's like, like they went to the mall without him, except they killed him.
2: Right. Yeah.
1: Um. <laughs> so similar. Yeah, it's like basically it's like the same. like really similar. Yeah. Totally alike. Yeah. <laughs> So, um, but they were, they, they had been ordered to turn against their boss or be killed. Those were their options. Yeah. Um, so basically they, they used them to know where he would go, you know, who he would use to hide out. That's how they got insider information to be able to stay on his heels after he escaped.
2: Yeah. They knew the secret. Yeah. So
1: he's basically trapped like a rat. He's running, but they know where he's going. And, you know, so he's always constantly on, on his run, on the run, but never feeling safe because they're right on his heels.
2: They know the routine. And they,
1: and they eventually caught him. Uh, with his empire in ruins, unable to trust anybody, and with contracts on the heads of his nearest and dearest, Escobar was finally hunted down and shot dead by police. Although speculation continues that the shot that killed him was self-inflicted.
2: Mm. He's like, y'all aren't yeah, going to get yeah. me. I'm doing it myself.
1: I like that that version of the story. <clears throat> If the Colombian government thought the death of their boogeyman would signal the end of gang violence in Medellin, they could not have been more wrong. Mm. Total anarchy ensued. Uh oh. Because what happened was, in many of these situations, the same thing happened in uh, in Iraq after America pulled out. The same thing happened um, in the show Snowfall that I've been watching. There was in this final season, the the. The, the main character of the show is kind of he's the person that gives all the drugs to the streets. Mm-hmm. Something happened to him and he disappears. Mm-hmm. And now there's no there's a there's a shortage of drugs. Right. Now everybody wants to become the kingpin. Yep. So where Pablo Pablo Escobar's power and his role in Colombia was I'm the biggest, baddest drug dealer in the country. Right. He dies and his cartel falls off. Now all these other cartels that have just kind of been feeding off of Pablo Escobar and letting him be the king they're like I want to be the king. I want to be the king. And now everybody's gang it's gang wars. Everybody chaos. wants to become everybody wants to become the new Pablo Escobar and total chaos came from chaos that. Ensues. And they and they thought killing Pablo Escobar would put an end to it and they, it was the opposite of that. Mhm. Um, when when Pablo died, the city spun out of control his cousin Jaime Gaviris explained on The Two Escobars, this ESPN documentary. The boss was dead, so everyone became their own boss. Pablo had prohibited kidnappings. He ran the underworld with complete order. Anything illegal, you asked for permission from Pablo. With Escobar gone, permission was no longer required.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Gaviris' uh, Gavira's view on this situation was also endorsed by the colombia's team manager who had previously overseen nacional's copa libertadores triumph and knew escobar very well uh the law of the boss is the law of the land when pablo escobar died the earth shook and the wind cried his name as of that moment oh i'm sorry the earth shook and the wind cried his name as of that moment You had to be on guard at all times. So basically, once this guy died, the police were robbing people. Anybody who had their hand in his pocket now needed to get that money somewhere else or were trying to become the new Pablo Escobar. So Colombia was immediately not a safe place to be at all. Mm -hmm. So as soon as Pablo Escobar died and that news was, you know, got around, it shit got crazy. Uh, Even even a policeman could be good or evil. It was against this backdrop with frequent bombings and shootings reducing Medellin to a state of complete emergency that Colombia's footballers set off to USA 94. So they still went with their families back home in Colombia going through this and that on their mind. And now it's like, now go play this game. Wow. So that's a lot to have on your mind. Yeah. Right. (laughs) To to play. To play. And also to keep in mind, because it's hard for us to. To understand, because we're American, when you go to represent your country in yeah. these things, it is you are the pride of your country. Your whole country's backing you. And you know when the whenever the United States men's team, quali- I know when the United States women's team qualified and Meg Rapinoe and uh, Alex Morgan and all those people, they they won. That was amazing. But even in that situation, America didn't like stop to watch the game. Yeah, we just don't care. It's just not a super important game here. Mm -hmm. So we can't even really fully understand that the country's in shambles, but the whole country's still going to watch the Colombian national team go play in the World Cup, even if the city's on fire. Yeah. It's that important of a sport and that important of a representation that you're doing. Yeah. Yes. Um, So Andres Escobar, who was 27 at the time, had recently gotten engaged to his girlfriend, Pamela Cascardo. And had accepted an offer to play for Milan the following season. Mm-hmm. So his life was on you know, his career was going well. He's found love. Yeah. You know, he had a he had a um a contract waiting for him in Milan. Mm. You know, so he probably good. probably would have moved there with his wife and lived in Milan in yeah. Italy, playing soccer and all that. That's great. Um a quote from him is I try to read a bit of the Bible each day. My bookmarks are two photos. One of my late mother and the other of my fiance. Somewhat ironically, and perhaps rather naively, considering how Colombian football's resurgence was bankrolled, Escobar, as in uh, Andres Escobar, Mm -hmm. firmly believed the sport could help put a stop to the violence that was destroying the country he loved.
2: That's a lot of pressure.
1: Yeah. Also, I understand the whole concept of it's like, you think this sport can help, but it's being funded by drug money. Right. You know, so that's kind of hard to it kind of helps them clean their money. Yeah. You know, so I I understand that, but he loves soccer that much that he's like, it transcends that just playing the sport is what's the beautiful part about it. Yeah. Um, he saw soccer as a, as a school of life to teach values and tolerance said his friend, the journalist turned diplomat Cesar Velasquez. He said of Andres to learn, to win, to lose, to embrace sport as a sanctuary of unity. Andres always stayed true to that belief. So he really saw, and I think a lot of people, no matter what the sport is, people see sport as this common denominator where you can black, white, whatever, brown, yellow. You come together, one common goal, you can get anything achieved, and it teaches you self-reliance, teaches you how to, you know, depend on a, your your person person next to you, mm-hmm. put trust in people. And win or lose, those those are all um qualities and traits that can carry you far in life yeah so teamwork teamwork yeah teamwork makes the dream work
2: teamwork
1: i remember one time i told a dude that at trader joe's when he was bagging up he was like wow (laughs) profound that's really and i was like (laughs) i didn't make it up but he was really i I didn't i didn't correct him on him really like i didn't go yeah you never heard that before but i was like yeah (laughs) it it does make the dream work huh he really was impressed like, as if I had, wow. like, I just made that up on the whim. A poet. Like, that scene in sports going, it happens. <laughs> what? What the? Shit.
2: Sh- shit. No, he goes, sometimes. <laughs> sometimes. Sometimes. <laughs> sometimes. Oh, my God.
1: Um, <laughs> He's like, it does. It does. Doesn't it? Wow. Uh, so, uh. <laughs> swept <gasps> stateside on a wave of genuine hope amid the despair back home. Colombia's World Cup campaign could scarcely have gotten off to a more inauspicious start. At the Rose Bowl in Pasadena, they lost their opening match 3 to 1 against a largely unheralded Romania,
0: mm.
1: which is like what what do they even export in Romania? Like vampires and b-
0: vodka.
2: Probably. Vodka.
1: Yeah, I mean like yeah, what is so they lost to, you know, a very small country.
2: I mean, But I, those are the ones
1: you got to watch for.
2: I'm sure Romania is cool, but I I wouldn't think of them. I picture it being very
1: gray and a lot of, like, stone castles.
2: I think it'd be probably really cool. But I don't think of soccer. Yeah. For Romania.
1: But everywhere else in the world plays soccer and is super pumped about soccer, but here. Mm -hmm. Nobody else in the world plays football. They might play rugby, but it's such an America. It's crazy how isolated America is. Because everywhere else in the world plays soccer. Nobody else in the world plays no one football. No
2: plays football, really. No,
1: they play rugby, but well, nobody's putting on pads and helmets and and throwing in the football. Right. That format of sport is an American sport. Hmm. So it's so it's almost like the arrogance of America. Like we use the metric system and all that kind of. No, we don't use the metric system and all. Like, all yeah. that stuff is. Just, we're so we are over here.
2: What about lacrosse? I, is think
1: that also is, an I think lacrosse thing? is not only just an American thing; it's specifically regional to like Maryland, <laughs> Maryland and and like <laughs> the surrounding. You know, I mean, I, I'm I'm sure it's starting to make its like spread. Yeah. But most like all the major events of lacrosse yeah. like happen here. Would or, that be
2: interesting to to ask the people in the Facebook group if if lacrosse like the people that don't live in the Maryland Virginia D C region? Yeah. if lacrosse is a popular thing because around here it is, Lacks, it is man. Yeah, lax man yeah lax bros everywhere yeah man. it's, it's it, it is
1: it is pretty regional i think it's starting to make it spread but it's 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 incredibly regional hmm. it's very regional to like this to like this to, right. to maryland right you know in the surrounding yeah. states yes but it's not it's i definitely don't think it's international i don't think lacrosse is international for sure
2: interesting
1: um so yeah, so they lost their first match three to one. That marked the beginning of a psychological crisis for which the team wasn't prepared, said Velazquez. Many gamblers lost big money and there appeared a sort of dark hand that was very upset with the team's performance. The dark hand in question manifested itself on TV screens and in the players' hotel rooms where the customary welcome messages awaiting returning guests were replaced with unpleasant threats by enterprising hackers. So they were already, one game, they were getting their feedback from Colombia mm. about how they lost money, how you're a disgrace to the Negative, country. Yeah. Negative, They already felt the impact immediately. Uh, and they know, like, my family, my mom, my son, all these players. Like, our families are there.
2: They're all at home. They're all
1: at home, and we're representing the country and people who are in a drug war and a power shift happening, and they lost money.
2: And we're, are,
1: and we're is, not there are to... Are they
2: out now? Are what? they out of... Are, is there... They're done? they Are no, they no, done? No, no, uh,
1: no. I don't know the rules of soccer, but I think you, like, there's a... They you lose and game? there's, like, an elimination that's, like, you lose twice and then you're out.
2: Okay. So, so they just lost
1: the first one, but they're not out of the tournament yet. And they're still
2: yet. coming at them hot.
1: Yes. So this Yikes. is... It's not even over yet, but they're already catching the heat. Yikes. So they felt this presence. They felt the energy. They got the messages. Following the death of Pablo Escobar... The infant son of Colombia defender Luis Chanto Herrera had been kidnapped and subsequently returned in Medellin. So this was not during the World Cup,
0: mm-hmm. but
1: right before that, this one of the guys who was on the team, his son got kidnapped but was returned. Oh. So it's already you're starting to feel, you know, kidnapping wasn't allowed when Pablo Escobar was alive. Mm-hmm. Now football players' kids are being kidnapped and stuff. So for
2: a ransom For a
1: ransom. I don't know if he paid the ransom and that's how he got his kid back, but his kid was returned.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um Herrera, yeah, um sorry. Uh following his side following his side's defeat at the hands of Romania, Chanto received word from back home that his brother had been killed in a car crash. Now it's not word, I don't they're not saying that it was Like a hit, but just you never you don't you never know. You you know, you never know Uh, what should have been the time of these exciting young footballers lives was rapidly becoming the stuff of nightmares An unassuming leader. Escobar did his utmost to help his best friend and team hold things together. That night, Andres kept me company, said Herrera. I wanted to give up and go home. But Andres said the country depends on you. This is our one shot at the World Cup, and this this guy Herrera is the guy who he had just gotten a phone call saying like your brother died in a car crash, right? And and Andre said, no nah, man, like we need you here. Right. We're representing our country. Right. We and we still are in this. Right. So he really, as you know, Trying a silent leader. You know.
2: Yeah.
1: Not out in front, being all loud, but yeah, the team respected him.
2: Yeah. I like it.
1: Yeah. Colombia's preparation for their second match, also at the Rose Bowl and against the tournament's host, the USA were less than ideal, but the team remained confident. They said, We'd played uh, hundreds of friendlies against the USA and won them all. Uh, at home, Medellin remained in a meltdown. The streets habitually littered with burnt-out cars, bricks, bodies, and blood.
0: Oh.
1: In Florida, team manager Maturana cried as he arrived for a pre-match meeting with his players. They had received more death threats. While Matarana had been warned that if veteran midfielder Gabriel Gomez was selected, the entire squad would be murdered. Gomez was a key player, but they had me beat, said Matarana, who reluctantly pandered to club owners prepared to jeopardize their own national team's chances if it meant getting their players in the global spotlight to increase their value. So basically, he was getting calls from all these other clubs these other team club teams Mm -hmm. like soccer club teams who were owned by drug cartels saying don't play this guy play my guy because we want him to be seen on television because that makes them worth more money and that makes us more popular and then we can launder more money so they're getting phone calls like that now it's not just about playing it's about who you play and stuff that you're not even in the game yet
2: they're like little pawns.
1: Exactly. Pawns I mean,
2: in a chess game. Literally. A just... chess game of drugs and violence and kidnappings and media. And...
1: All right. Cool. <laughs> so, so, so despite or perhaps because of their terror, Colombia threw the kitchen sink at the USA from the get-go. We attacked from all angles, but the ball wouldn't go in remembers Adolfo Valencia. We kept attacking, but we couldn't score, confirmed Alvarez. A moment came when you start to realize what happened. Bad thoughts flood your mind. In the twenty-two, in the 22nd minute, the psychological floodgates opened. Mm. At full stretch, whatever that means, in an effort to cut out a low-curling John Harks cross into the penalty area from the inside left. I mean, this is just...
2: I mean, you know...
1: You know what I'm saying? Yeah, Oh, well. totally. You're super cool. I know. You're bended like Beckham. I
2: know how to play soccer.
1: Well, you scored an own goal. It, uh, against...
2: I did not. And
1: speaking of, <sighs> funny enough, you can relate to the story pretty good. Escobar made contact with the ball and sent it rolling past the hopelessly wrong-footed Cordoba and into his own goal.
2: Literally what happened to me, okay? It's not yeah, like somebody I Somebody
1: else missed the pass no, that it was the pass?
2: No. Ugh, no. What happened was, it's not like I kicked the ball on purpose into our own goal thinking I was shooting a goal. Uh-huh. It rolled over my foot.
1: Well, I'm, I'm so sure... I was
2: trying to kick... I was trying to, to just... To just kick it just slam it the other way across the field well well lucky and it rolled over my well butt. lucky
1: for you there was an entire country who had bet money on you watching the game when that happened because it, as as silly and everything that we oh we made little jokes about you you were fine this man
2: w- wasn't wasn't
1: it was no. it was a really big deal oh. yeah so um Following a few seconds of quiet reflection as he lay flat on his back with his, head, with his head in his hands, contemplating the first own goal of his professional career, the stone-faced Escobar rose to his feet, glanced to his right, and walked slowly towards the halfway line. He just dust himself off. He's like, all right, well, let's get back in it. Mm-hmm. If he was mulling over the serious, uh, the seriousness of the possible consequences, he did it fairly well. Oh, he hit it. He hit it fairly well. If he was really, like, torn up about it and concerned about his life, Mm -hmm. he hit it. He was not—he looked ready to go, ready to keep playing.
2: Just like me. I mean, that look Eric gave me.
1: Yeah, exactly. Nobody knows who Eric is, but we're going to keep it pushing.
2: The captain. Uh, The captain of the team.
1: Yes. Uh, Watching the match on television in Medellin, his nephew was in no doubt. In that moment, my 9-year-old son said to me, Mommy— they're going to kill Andres.
2: Oh my God.
1: His nephew said this about oh. watching the game when it happened. His nephew said that about
0: him. Oh.
1: Escobar's sister told this to the, um, the, two, the makers of the two Escobars, the documentary for ESPN. I replied, no, sweetheart. People aren't killed for mistakes. Everyone in Colombia loves Andres. Wrong. And an explosion happens and there's like fires, uh. burning cars going down the street. And he's, she's like, no,
2: no, people. She's just trying to comfort him. Yeah, yeah. But she's prob- she was probably terrified.
1: She had to be. Uh, he was certainly well liked by his teammates who considered him blameless. Right. He had to make the play on the ball. And unfortunately, it went in, said midfielder Alexis Garcia. I saw Andres' face and felt deep pain. It was like a premonition. The jig was all but up for Colombia. Ernie Stewart doubled the USA's lead with a 52nd minute tap in. And that's how it stayed until the final minute when Valencia uh, scored his second consolation goal of the tournament. So basically they lost 3-1 again. One of the goals being Andres Escobar's goal. Mm. So they still would have lost, but they would have lost to... 2 to 1 and right. then people can speculate about if that was the that took the motivation away, if it had been 2-1, maybe they you know now you can become an even bigger scapegoat when you're a contributor to a goal. Right. Cuz they probably would have lost anyway, but now they can go, but he scored on us. So he's the villain of the whole thing to Columbia.
2: Right. Um poor guy.
1: Yeah, it's that's a rough place to be in. Um so Escobar was devastated by Columbia's World Cup exit and his very public contribution to it, which, I, I mean, you don't, that's something you don't live down, mm-hmm. you know. There's this play, basketball player named Chris Weber. There was this team called Michigan in the 1990s. They were the Fab Five. It was a college team. And he was in, they were in the middle of, um, like, the Sweet 16 tournament. Mm-hmm. I think it was, I think it was the championship game. And it was like, I don't know the score exactly off the top of my head, but let's say it was like 91 to 88. So they were within it kinda, they and had they would have had to, they, Yeah, they would have had to have a miracle play to kinda take it into overtime or win the game. It was that kind of close. And they had the ball and he got into trouble when they inbounded it and he called a timeout, but they didn't have any timeouts left.
0: Oh fuck.
1: So when you do that in sports, you get like a technical foul, the oh. other team gets to shoot free throws and they get the ball. So he lost the game for them. And, and for he the never he never talks about it yeah. to this day. It's been like 25 years, and people still bring it up, and he refuses to talk about it.
2: People don't forget. People
1: don't forget. It's like a sore spot for him. He will not talk about it. Uh, he doesn't even go to the Michigan like alumni games anymore. Yes. He likes to just pretend like he didn't go to Michigan. It's that kind of thing. But this is... College sports is pretty cultish, too, but it's it's still not on the level of sports or soccer for other countries yes. in the World Cup. But that's even that is... I wouldn't want to be the guy that messed up a college team's championship.
0: No. But
1: that's still not comparable to a soccer game for a country. So this is major. Right. Uh, So like I said, he was devastated about their World Cup exit and his contribution to it, and he would never watch the game on television. Upon his return to Medellin, his friends and family rallied around him in a bid to uplift his spirits. While his friend... Cesar Velasquez convinced him to write his cathartic Life Doesn't End Here column for El Tempe, a local uh, paper. He forgot his worries, um, according to his girlfriend. And uh, somebody else said uh, there were warnings, but Andres was young and alive. He wanted to live his life. And had I known, I would have kept him home that night. Is what his girlfriend said. Oh, so they're back. Yeah. The, you know, they're back. The World Cup. They got kicked out. Yeah. They get back to Colombia. His friends are like, "It's okay, man. Like everything's cool. You should write your feelings out." He writes this whole, you know, it doesn't end here. Column. This paper about how, you know, it's it's bigger than soccer. We can move on from this. And then they want to go out. I, I want to mm-hmm. be. I want to be around the people. And every, some people are like, "That no. nah. <laughs> <laughs> nah. still a little fresh for people, you man." Know. Oh, you it's, could stay at home. It's still a little fresh for people. Maybe, maybe give it a couple weeks. No, no, no. It's bigger than that. Like, it's just a game. Like, let's. It's fine. The people love me. I'm a Colombian superstar.
2: Nah.
1: That night, which would be his last,
2: oh.
1: Escobar decided to go out with his friends for the first time since his return from the World Cup. Oh God. And called Ch- and called Chanto Herrera to invite him along. Herrera told him to stay in.
2: Yeah. Advise him.
1: Yes advising Escobar it would probably be best if he laid low. Oh. His manager also shared Herrera's concerns. But her, but Andres said, no, I must show my face to the people.
2: Andres is like, look, guys, it's all good. Yes, that's what it's he thought. It's just a game. It's just a game. Not just a game to them, no, no, Andres.
1: According to eyewitness reports, Escobar showed his face to the wrong people. Mm. Upon arriving at Medellin's El Indio bar with friends, the footballer enjoyed a few drinks and was happily talking to fellow revelers when a few people began insulting him. Uh oh. Sarcastically cheering his error against the USA.
2: That's bullying. It Continuation is bull- yes. of the theme.
1: Yes. Escobar left the premises, but the four strong group hurling abuse followed them. They continued their tirade and loudly labeled him a faggot. Whoa. Which is, you shouldn't call anybody that no. ever, let alone over a fucking soccer game. You know, it just is, it's way over the line. Yeah. You know, it's just, it's uncalled for about a fucking game.
2: Or anything. Or
1: anything. But especially, especially if it's about somebody's gender and you're trying to really make them feel terrible about, the you know, who they are. Right. But to use it so flippantly about, like, a game you know, to really try to hurt somebody's feelings about a game is just gross.
2: And also it's like get on his level, okay? You're not playing. Yeah,
1: he's a superstar athlete. Right. You know, and some some fat slob at a fucking bar with a corona in his hand is like, you suck at soccer. It's right. like I made it to the World Cup.
2: Right. You didn't. Yeah. Homie? Yeah. Yeah. You
1: have you have a uh, a really big belly and you have no upper body strength and you have no endurance. You're sweating while you're speaking to me, sir.
2: And you shouldn't judge the guy that did get to the World Cup. Yeah. Because he made one little error. Yeah,
1: I went. I, I, I represented. I represented my country. Yeah. You didn't. Right. I'm sure he said all. No, actually, Trump, actually, Andres is actually a really nice guy. He didn't say any of these things.
2: He's probably like, guys, no, it's all good.
1: I'll get to that, but basically, oh,
2: yeah. Oh, Andres.
1: So check this out. He was upset, right? And this is what he did when he was upset. Upset, Escobar drove his car across the park, the, across the car park or parking lot, uh, in order to reason with his detractors. So he's upset. So what he chooses to do is, I'm going to go explain myself. Let me go reason with these people and explain to him. It's just, it was a small mistake. You know, he tried to, like, his upset is, I need to really just clear this up. That's his upset. As, instead, of, instead of going home or saying, fuck y'all and whatever. No. J- peeling off, saying my car is nicer than any of these. He's like, I'm really peeved off about this. Let me go tell him my side of things. Mm. So, uh, so yeah, he drove across the parking lot in order to reason with his detractors. Insisting his own goal had been an honest mistake. An already tense situation escalated and at least one gun was produced and fired. Six bullets tore through the flesh and bone of Escobar's back as he sat at the wheel of his car mm. an ambulance was called but it was too late less than 30 minutes later andres escobar was declared dead in the wake of the shooting which was and remains widely assumed to be the revenge slaying perpetrated by gangsters who had lost heavily weight uh, who had lost heavily betting on colombia at the world cup Two people gave the license plate number of one of the vehicles in which the group responsible for the murder made their escape. Mm. It was registered to the Gallon brothers, Pedro and Juan, drug traffickers who had left Pablo Escobar's Medellin cartel to join the Pepes. Oh, so they, Pepes. They, were, they were some betrayers. Uh, according to John Jairo Vasquez, an enforcer for Pablo Escobar, Currently in prison for three hundred murders. Oh god! So he's like that dude from Black Mass. Yeah. He's like the dude that Pablo Escobar would send.
2: The guy that just like shot the guy in the middle of the party. Yeah, he watch. just
1: he is. You call him when people need to die. Yeah. This guy killed three hundred. He gave
2: no fucks.
1: You have to be like that when you're that guy. None. When you're that person, that's like, we got. I need you to kill five people.
2: Broad daylight, people around. I don't care.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So according to this person. Immediately after the shooting, the Galones paid $3 million to buy off the prosecutor's office and get them to focus their investigation on one of their bodyguards who had been present at the scene. So this is some, I know you love mob stuff, so this is super I mob, but Yeah. So, so pay attention mob to this because I, I thought this was some pretty like high-level gangster shit that I'm about to tell you. So whether or not he actually pulled the trigger remains unknown, but Humberto Castro Munoz, Confessed to Escobar's murder, and by Escobar I mean Andres, right. confessed to Escobar's murder, and was later sentenced to 43 years in prison, only to be released on good behavior after serving just 11. Whoa. His employers, the Galones, were cleared of any wrongdoing. So basically what it sounds like is, this night, crazy thing happens, Andres, uh, um, Escobar is killed, the Galones immediately call the prosecutor's office and say focus the investigation on our bodyguard right the bodyguard comes forward and confesses to the murder they don't even know if he did it or not and then he ends up getting out of jail in 11 years
2: not 43
1: not 43 probably went back to working for the galones mm-hmm. his family was probably taken care of for those 11 years and the galones walked away their name was cleared they weren't involved in it never got asked questions again and for $3 million, that's not a bad deal to beat a murder rap. Wow. If you if you did it and you just need one of your soldiers to step up, one of your pawns to mm-hmm. step up, take a murder charge, we paid off the um the prosecutor so you you're going to get out, but mm-hmm. you just got to sit for a little bit. You got to do you got to do 11 for us. Dang. Do 11 for us, your family will be taken care of and you got a job waiting for you when you come back. Mm. Those are the kind of guys that they're dealing with. So there's guys that'll step mob, up and do that for him. My boss. Yeah.
2: Mob boss.
1: So, despite ongoing speculation to the contrary, Vasquez insists Escobar's murder was not a revenge attack by disgruntled gamblers. Andres's mistake was talking back to those guys. He would later surmise in an interview from prison, in which he in which he is held for killing three hundred fucking people. The Galone's egos were so inflated after taking down Pablo Escobar, they weren't going to allow someone to talk back, not even Andres. It had nothing to do with betting. It was a fight. That's all. And this guy killed 300 people. So you know something? You got it, man. I'm not going to call you a liar. Wow. I do. I disagree. I uh, disagree, sir. Sir. Kindly. Sir, I kindly Friend, disagree. I
2: dis- friendly disagree.
1: But you are right, too. At the same time. Mm. At the same time, you are also are right. But I don't know, man. I don't think this was just a fight. No. For him to have that kind of heat on him, for it to be they're angry because of the own goal. And maybe they were just talking shit and they didn't like that he had something to say in defense of himself. But I don't know, man. I think I think if it wouldn't have been them, it would have been somebody else that got I into know. a fight with him. And, and maybe it ended this way. Maybe he gets stabbed or something. I mean, something, he had you know?
2: a target on his back. He was the,
1: he was was the He was the fuck up.
2: It could have happened anywhere.
1: Yeah, he was the, you know, the world's most hated man in Colombia. So it w- he would have gotten into a conflict somewhere else. Somebody else would have said something about the thing, the own goal. It was bound to happen some kind of way. Maybe not death, but he was going to get into a bunch of conflicts oh, yeah. over this. I would have just moved. But if you love your country, you know, it's, you know, it's a hard thing to do.
2: Well, to him, it wasn't. As big of a deal yeah. as it was to everyone. He was like else. we can move so on he from probably this. Thought, yeah, because he knew it was an honest mistake. And yeah. he was like, guys, it's a game. Yeah. But not to that. I think he
1: was in denial though. I think he knows no. how big I think he knew how big sports was in Colombia, but he wanted to believe that it's just a game. You can tell yourself that, but it doesn't make it true. More than one hundred thousand Colombians filed past Escobar's body as it lay in a wooden casket, draped with a green and white Nacional club flag in a medellin basketball arena so he filled up a basketball arena at his funeral colombian president cesar Guevara said the footballer was a victim of the absurd violence affecting the country there were chants of justice justice from thousands of mourners lining the streets of, as escobar was taken to his final resting place according to escobar's friend cesar velasquez the cries came from people United in our pain, sending our prayers to the heavens for the soul of Andres Escobar and for the soul of the sport of Colum- the sport in Colombia. Weeping fans threw flowers in the path of the hearse as it passed with a police escort. While at the cemetery, Colombia flags were waved by many of the 15,000 present to see Escobar's coffin lowered in the ground. So he got a good send off. But that's the thing about, you know, everybody loves you when you're gone. Yeah.
0: Because
1: I'm sure as much as he wanted to say it's just a game and all that kind of stuff, these same people before he was dead were like, man, fuck him. We could have probably won the World Cup if he wouldn't have did that own goal. But then you're dead and you become you become the hero again. Yeah. They say something like that in, in Dark Knight. You yeah. either, either You either live long enough to be the hero or, you know, Die and become the villain, Some, something like that. No, or
2: like the opposite. Or you
1: die. You either die a hero or you live long enough to see yourself become a villain. Yeah, that's it. And it's it. like he did both. Right. And but he, but it wasn't. Neither of them were justified. He wasn't a villain. He was a really nice guy. And something happened in the game, and then he got killed at a bar.
2: And you know what's so shitty is. Is even after his death, I bet there were a ton of people that were still dicks about him.
1: Oh, I'm sh- I'm sure, I'm sure they, were, they
2: were like mm. yeah. Well, he, well, well, he did, yeah. He did lose the World He did Cup score for- on
1: us on his own team. It's like really? Dude? Yeah, for sure. It's definitely that definitely over happened. a game. That definitely an
2: happened. accident.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, Life doesn't end here," wrote Escobar in what turned out to be his valedictory address to the people of Colombia after their World Cup loss. Instead. It ended somewhere else, just a few days later, violently and senselessly, in the seedy confines of a Medellin nightclub uh, parking lot. And uh, that was my affirmative murder of Andres Escobar and its connection with the Medellin cartel and Pablo Escobar.
2: R.I.P. R.I.P.
1: to Andres Escobar and condolences to his wife and all that stuff. I mean, this was... 1994, 95, So this was a long time ago now, wow. but it's still sad. It was almost, almost like twenty four years ago at this yeah, point.
2: Yeah, it's awful. Yeah,
1: very terrible. Um, but yeah, that was my affirmative murder, and uh, this is this was this was uh that was, that was fun. Um, I enjoyed that, Sierra. You are um, what are you, do you have any uh, recommendations? Um, you've been watching anything cool on television? Or?
2: Well, I am late to it. Apparently, I am late to a lot of things. But okay, I. I Am late to watching Fleabag.
1: Yeah, great show.
2: But I'm obsessed with it. Yeah,
1: Phoebe Waller-Bridge is a genius. She's she made Killing Eve. She and Fleabag. is
2: So brilliant. Big time genius. I'm big
1: old, big old lady balls. Big old lady balls.
2: Obsessed with her. She is doesn't give a fuck. Just doesn't. but she is so she is a genius. Yeah. she's brilliant. Mm-hmm. She is. Oh, uh, anyway, so flea bag. I'm I'm watching it on, on Amazon Prime. Prime. Yeah, I'm watching it on Amazon Prime, and it's just two seasons, and I wish there'd be more. But I, that might that, that might was her be vision. It. No, that um, was it. That's our vision. And it's a quick show too. Like yeah. it's perfect for. It's like 25 minutes long or mm-hmm. something, and and um, it's just great. It makes you laugh, but it it makes your heart hurt. Yeah. it's so. Good. I agree. Great show. So the writer of it, or the, the creator of it, is also, she plays the main character. Yes. So. It's great. Yes. Then For I would recommend that.
1: Yes. For me, I have nothing this week. Um, I was very excited about an album that was that came out this week, and that was kind of my only anticipation. Uh, Brittany Howard from Alabama Shakes oh. um, went off and did her solo thing, and I had pre-ordered the album, yep. so when it would download, or when it came out, it would download right to my phone. Super excited. We that love was, her. We love, love her. her. She, I think she has probably, if not the best, one of the best voices of this generation. I mean, and when I say generation, I mean the last 30 years easily. And I think
2: she's the singer of Alabama Shakes. She's the singer of Alabama
1: Shakes. She has some side projects. Thunder Bitch. Thunder Bitch. Uh, she just does weird things with her voice. Her voice is so powerful and dynamic and soulful and raw and but also so controlled,
2: so talented,
1: incredibly talented. So when I found out she was doing a solo project, I was incredibly excited. It's called Jamie. Uh, it downloaded to my phone on Friday, started to listen to it. I was like, okay, it's a little weird. Intro, it's a little, you know, fast paced, jazzy. But whatever, you know, I'm, uh, you know, I'm, I love her. And as each song passed, other than the you know, the single from the um, album, which is called Stay High. That's a great song. And there were a couple of songs. Me and Sierra were listening to it on the drive. We were taking a drive over the weekend. And I was like, I mean, I kind of like this one, I guess. But it as I it listened. It was
2: a stretch, though. Yeah, I was
1: like, I mean, I guess this we is both, cool.
2: We both, like, wanted to I like really it. I really wanted to, I
1: wanted to like it so bad. Because we love her so much. adore and her.
2: And she's so talented. And,
1: but, yeah. So that would have yeah. been my recommendation um maybe maybe I just didn't get it. So Maybe I I, I, I highly recommend Alabama Shake's music. Oh, I think yeah. Thunder Bitch has a great project or two. Um she has some really good songs with, with her side project Thunder Bitch. And if you anybody would like to check out Jamie uh, the Britney Howard album that just came out. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I just didn't understand the music uh, science behind it. It was the, just a
2: little chaotic. Yeah, it
1: was a little chaotic. It was a little too experimental for me. But hey, maybe my ears just weren't ready for it, weren't ready to receive it yet. So I will recommend it. I maybe. recommend somebody else go check it out, give me a second opinion. Maybe I need to listen to it in a different setting. Maybe, maybe I wasn't doing the right thing. Um, so that would have been my, I was so ready to come in here and give it 10 stars and five thumbs up and eight roses and whatever. I was ready to just praise it off the, if I, I'll tell you like this, if I hadn't listened to it, I would have come in here and praised it. That's how much I love Britney. I would have been like, I can't wait to get a moment to listen to Jamie. It's going to be an amazing album. I have it on my phone. Just haven't listened to it yet. I would have praised it incredibly having not heard it. But I heard it, and I can't lie about it. You know, as much as I love her, I, I just don't think it's a good. Well, project.
2: you can still, you can still. Totally it's not for me. Love. It's not her for me. Voice and love. Yes. Her bands. All but of those maybe things. Maybe you just didn't love this. This, this wasn't for certain me. Thing. I'm not
1: even gonna call it bad. Take back everything I said. It wasn't for me.
2: Yeah.
1: It wasn't for me. Yeah.
0: I'll leave it at
1: that. Because I don't want to insult her. I think she's too talented. That it it's for somebody. Yeah. It has to be for somebody. But it wasn't for me. But she's incredibly talented, and I love everything now else that
2: Alabama shakes, though. So that's for me. And you. So good. So good.
1: Um, I don't really have any TV recommendations. I didn't really watch much TV this week. Um, we've been watching The Wire, but that's it. Um, Sierra, I would like to thank you very much for coming in in a pinch, stepping up, and being my co-host for the evening.
2: Very welcome. Um, I
1: hope this is well-received. Please understand, people, that, like I said... <laughs> It was either this or nothing. It was either this where I was going to come on and go, hey, guys, listen, um, the episode got deleted. And sorry, no episode this week. That was literally what I was about to do. And so I appreciate you stepping up. And um, this means a lot to me. And you are a very special person and very talented. And thank you very much.
2: Thanks, Al. You're very I'm sorry that. The fans didn't get to hear Fran. I don't but... want to I don't wanna talk
1: about it. I don't oh, wanna talk about it. Okay. I'm it's, I'm still a sore subject. Still sore subject. I'm sorry. Okay. I've been oh. Alvin I've been Alvin Williams joined for the first time <laughs> by the lovely Sierra Fath. And we'll see you guys I'll see you next week in Sierra. Hopefully I won't delete it and you won't have to do this
2: again. <laughs> Bye guys. Thanks for having me.